Hey everybody, it's your host and Game Master for the Nature of My Game podcast, Eric Priester. Welcome to Season 3. As I get ready to record this intro, we've just passed 3,000 listens to the podcast so far, and I can't tell you how much each and every one means to me, and to every one of us involved in the podcast. If this is your first time here, you're probably a big Knights Black Agents fan, and we're super excited to have you. You can start right here, no need to go back, but if you like what you hear, we'd love if you gave our earlier seasons a try. So as I already mentioned, this season we're playing Knights Black Agents, a vampire spy thriller written by Kenneth Height and published by Pelgrane Press. The story for this season is based on a scenario called The Harker Intrusion, written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan that kicks off a longer campaign based around the Dracula dossier, a campaign book written by Kenneth Height and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan. Before we dive in, I of course owe the success of this season to my amazing players. Katie Rohrbacher, who plays Dr. Teddy Walker, Chris Smith, who plays Fabio Scamacca, and fan favorite Tommy Witte, back after his stellar performance in season one, who plays Gavin Caldwell. You'll hear the players refer a few times in this episode to what happened last time. We played a practice run with these characters, and things got messy. The events of that session lead into our game for this season, and you'll hear a bit more about what happened to them in the prologue to this episode. I also want to give another shout out to Jean-Luc Bouchard, who composed and produced our intro music. For those who would like to learn more about the Nature of My Game podcast, you can find us at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Season 3, Rock the Casbah. Gostilj, Bosnia. April 2nd, 2008. Anton Dedipovich stood anxiously next to the black Jeep Cherokee his men had acquired for the job, trying to keep the nausea he was feeling at bay. He told himself that the nerves and the nausea stemmed from the double cross he was about to execute, but deep down, he knew better. That's what all of this is for, he thought. I'm dying, and the only way to survive is to get that laptop. He knew that no matter the cause, he couldn't show any signs of weakness in front of his men. They'd just as soon turn on him if they saw some sign of weakness as they would kill the agents that were on their way. He just had to keep it together for a few more minutes. His earpiece started to crackle, and he heard the voice of Vladek, another of his men, speaking to him from his higher vantage point. They're coming, boss. Anton looked around, spotted the agent's vehicle, and steeled himself. Okay, boys, now's the time. Wait for Vladek before any of you act. We need that briefcase. The agent's vehicle pulled up, its bumper only a few feet from the bumper of the black jeep. He looked through the windshield and could see three faces staring back at him. He knew their names by heart, knew how dangerous each of them could be. Especially the one in the back, the American, Dr. Walker. She was former CIA, and terribly deadly if his reports were to be trusted. If she could die first, that would be ideal. The agents got out hesitantly, and Anton started going through the motions of the exchange. Money for laptop, that had been the deal. He had done this enough times that he barely had to concentrate on what they were saying. More important was to lure them forward, to give Vladek the view he needed. It wasn't the American who got out though, but the Italian. He opened up the driver's seat and started walking slowly toward the jeep with the briefcase. Just a few more steps, that's it, a little closer. Anton was luring him in with his words, with the promise of a paycheck, with the satisfaction of another job completed. It all happened in a flash. A booming shot rang out from the hills surrounding the cemetery, and the Italian dropped to a knee, hit in the leg. Shit, Anton thought to himself. Vladek missed. He never missed. Anton started moving as quickly as he could behind the jeep, trying to get cover before the agents opened fire. Get to that briefcase, he yelled, but he knew it was too late. His men were no match for the three agents. Vladek had been his secret weapon, and he had missed. 
Anton slammed the jeep's passenger door closed just as the Englishman accelerated and rammed the agent's vehicle into their own. That's it, Anton thought to himself as the jeep pulled away. I'm dead. So our story opens in May of 2009, and each of you have received a heavily encrypted email from someone who just calls himself Harker. The email just says, I know what you're looking into, and I have information that you'll be interested in, but I need your help first. Meet me in Seville. Attached to the email are three things, a plane ticket for later today to Seville, an address for a cafe in Seville, and a folder of scanned documents. The documents relate to something you've been looking into for more than a year, evidence of diverted blood shipments from military medical stocks. As far as you can tell, the shipments are connected to a larger conspiracy that, as strange as it seems, might be connected to something supernatural. The documents in the email provide you with just enough information to prove that the sender knows what they're talking about, but little else. They're breadcrumbs meant to entice you. Tommy, we're going to start with you, but before, before I throw it over to you, um, because of your kind of expertise in vampirology, or at least your interest in vampirology, the name Harker stands out to you. Um, Harker is one of the main characters in Dracula. Um, and so that's probably the first thing that you think of uh, when you get this email. But, you know, where is your character when, uh, when he gets the email? What does he look like? What's his reaction to receiving it? Our character, Gavin Caldwell. He is in um, a small apartment that he's rented out, and he has, uh, it's early enough in the morning, he's just gotten up, sort of gotten himself prepared, um, and he is on his computer starting to look into um, work of various types. Uh, he always goes through the same routine in the morning when he gets up, he goes through his contacts and he tries to find um, sort of um, uh, any kind of work from various... Uh, mercenary context that he has. Uh, when the email comes in, he is drinking some tea. He sees the email. The name Harker stands out to him immediately. And he sort of eyes widen up. If you see him in the light of the laptop that is shining on him, you'd see that he is um, a slightly older man in his early to mid-50s, graying at the temples. Thankfully, he has been lucky enough to not be losing his hair, but he uh, he has a sort of a, a decent gray going on. It's not not completely unattractive. He would have, in his prime, had very dark brown hair, uh, clean-shaven glasses. And uh, so he sees this email from Harker, and he uh, is just opens it up immediately and starts to read. Harker, Harker, Harker. Hmm. Awesome. And so... Katie, where does where do we see your character receiving this email? What does she look like, and and how does she react to receiving it? 
We find Dr. Teddy Walker. Uh, she's in her residence in Uppsala, Sweden. She just got home from a day at the clinic. Uh, it's early afternoon. Uh, she kind of gets home. She hangs up her white coat. Uh, she hangs up her stethoscope. She sits down at her kitchen table, opens up her laptop, um, and she's kind of browsing her email. Uh, Teddy is, she's probably late 30s. She's got attractive features, but there's nothing super striking about her. She's got straight brown hair. Uh, it's pulled back. Uh, she's dressed very clean cut. She's in probably a white turtleneck sweater, black slacks, uh, very clean. And yeah, she's browsing through her email and she comes across this email from Harkin. Uh, she's she's kind of surprised, um, but she's definitely curious about what's in the contents of this email. Gotcha. Um, and what about you, Chris? Uh, where, where do we find you when you receive this email uh, or your character? Yeah, so uh, Fabio Scamacca is sitting in, uh, in Tuscany in his little apartment. He's sipping a cappuccino. He's, um, he's wearing a puffy coat and a scarf indoors, as one does. <laughs> Um, he's, uh, he's a pretty regular looking guy, you know, slightly taller than normal. He's, uh, sort of drifting uneasily into middle age and, you know, he, he gets the email, he looks at it, he ponders it. He's not someone to act quickly or rashly on pretty much anything. And, you know, he, he takes a while to peruse its contents and starts to gather his things. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, so, so, you know, all of you have been kind of asked to kind of drop whatever you're doing and uh, head that later that day to Seville. Um, so, you know, are there, is there anything that you are kind of any loose ends you need to tie up at home before heading out? Any of you? And is, I mean, are any of you like questioning whether you are even going to follow this email? Like you don't actually have any idea who it's coming from. And the last time that you were involved, other than doing a little bit of research into kind of what it's referring to, you were shot at. Um, and, and and at least one of you was nearly almost killed. So any hesitations? No, I, I, I think the brush with death has motivated Fabio to jump back in the fray. <laughs> He's ready to get back onto it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Teddy's pretty motivated too. I think this is kind of a near and dear issue for her, this diversion, this possible diversion of blood products. Uh, so she kind of want to get to the bottom of it. She's a little hesitant given what happened the last time, and she's not really sure what to make of this email that she doesn't really know anything about, but I think she's pretty motivated to figure out what's going on here. So I think Gav, he sits and looks at the email for a second, and he goes, he's, Harker, Harker, Harker. Right, right. Dracula, God damn it! He wheels over to a big board... <laughs> <laughs> where he's got like a bunch of different uh, different like pages and things all all like put up and some strings connecting a few things and he's got like aliens crossed off in one corner, uh, Bigfoot written in another, and then like vampires off in a larger corner that has got in, <laughs> grown like in in size over the past year. All of these papers and things, and so he just he prints off the email, circles Harker, sticks it up on the board. <sighs> of course, of course. Okay, vampires. Yep, right. All right. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, and he also is going to uh, pick up... He has a phone in a drawer that he opens up. And um, it is his most secure phone. He's taken great care with this particular phone to uh, make sure that it is free of any kind of potential tapping, anything like that. Uh, and he only uses this phone for one purpose. He takes his phone out, he flips it open, it's a, like an old-looking flip phone. 
um, and he is going to call his niece Ella. Yeah. So, so um, when you call her, Ella, Ella does answer. How old is How old is Ella? Ella is in her early twenties. She's gotcha. like twenty three, probably. Gotcha. She she sounds excited when when uh, when she answers. Says, Uncle Gav, uh, how are you? Ella, oh, it, look, I know I know I say this all the time, uh, but I think I have a connection. I think I have something that might. You know the type of things I look into. I, I think I have something that's going to really um, potentially uh, blow some things wide open. And I just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, I, I, I might be gone for a little while, maybe um, a few days, a few weeks, a month. I, I don't know. But I just wanted you to know, um, you know, that I'm uh, I, I'll probably be off the radar for a little bit. Well, you you know how I think about uh, you know what how I feel about some of these things, but you know I've also learned not to not to doubt you when when you have a lead. I just I just want you to be careful. I know. Don't you know? Don't worry about me. I'll I'll be back in touch with you as soon as I can. Um, and uh, and I love you, sweetie. I love you too. Do you do you know where you're gonna? Uh, no, never mind. I know I know you can't tell me. Just just take care of yourself. I I love you too. I will. Anyone else? Any 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 loose ends that need to be tied up? Anybody you need to to say anything to, or are you just kind of are you a loner that just is hitting the road? Uh, I, you know, I think Fabio is going to go um, just tell his girlfriend Elizabeth. You know, he's he's got to leave on some urgent provincial business for a couple days in Spain. Nothing important. Um, and of course, she's used to this, so she knows it means something important and suspicious. So she's fine with that. She gets it. But that's about it for him. Can we stop for a second and talk about what urgent provincial business would actually be? It's a great question. There, there is none. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how, of course, she knows that it, that you're lying. But I oh, appreciate yeah, that yeah. you... <laughs> the word lying barely even applies now. It's just kind of like a fun <laughs> give and take for them. But and everyone knows what's going on. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and what about, uh, what about Teddy? Uh, she's not particularly close with anyone in Uppsala. She has... A friend, Ingrid, but Ingrid knows that she's out of town occasionally and doesn't really think twice about it. Uh, she probably gives a call over to the clinic, says, hey, I, I know I was supposed to be in tomorrow, but I won't be able to make it. And they're they're understanding. They're very flexible with her. Patients like her. The staff likes her. They kind of let her come and go as she pleases. Awesome. Yeah. So all of you kind of, uh, you know, you uh, being the type of people that you all are, you probably have a go bag ready to go, you know, maybe just kind of check the contents of it uh, because you're going to be taking a flight from your respective homes. Probably difficult to take a firearm, but you're all kind of experienced enough and have enough connections kind of all over the world uh, from your previous work that you don't think acquiring one when you land will be particularly difficult. And so you all fly out. Uh, and arrive in Seville later that evening. You probably all, you know, find a place to stay. I am also curious, so, you know, I think the three of you know that, you know, all three of you together were the ones who discovered the original lead. Um, and you've all kind of been independently, but, you know, probably sometimes together uh, investigating this, this lead about the diverted blood shipments. Do any of you check in to see whether... The others got a similar email. I mean, I think I've, I've definitely been in touch about this. I think I, st I probably sent a text to these two that just said email question mark. Yeah. And so if you all kind of confirm that uh, that you all received the email, 
I would imagine that, I mean, and you can tell me otherwise, but I would imagine that you probably all would meet up that evening in Seville. Uh, you know, you're supposed to, to meet the contact early the following morning at this cafe, but, um, you know, do you, do you meet up or do you kind of stay separate from each other? I, I think we meet up. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Cool. So, you know, you probably meet up at a, you know, a, something that was a cafe in the morning and has now turned into um, a place that serves tapas and, and drinks uh, a little bit of a, more of a bar scene. You know, kind of what's, what are you wondering about? What are your worries? What are your, what are your thoughts and concerns about whatever you're going to find the following morning? Man, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm apprehensive because I nearly died last time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to be back out here, but this... This is no joke. Yeah, Fabio, I, I'm glad to see that you're happy and healthy. <laughs> Full recovery. Yeah, good, good. But I'm definitely hesitant. We don't know anything about this Harkin, and the last time we we ended up in uh, quite a predicament. Fabs, I think our policy is going to be uh, no meeting out in the open, right? I'll agree to that policy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, and just for reference, it's Harker, not Harkin. Oh, sorry. Oh, gosh. I said Harkin twice already. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You're not a, you're not a, you, uh, Teddy, Teddy isn't a, she doesn't, she doesn't like a good gothic novel. <laughs> I do not. I do not. This supernatural stuff. I don't know. I'm not sold. I actually think to this meeting, I will have brought a really beat up copy of Dracula that I will just put on the table. And it's almost comical. There's all these like bookmark play, like things sticking out of it. They're, the cover is almost torn off at this point. There's dog-eared pages and everything. But I just open it up to a couple, a few pages in, and have Harker circled. I think Teddy then rolls her eyes, and she's she's just like <laughs> Gavin and his conspiracies. <laughs> Teddy, I, I know I know what you think. I know what you think. I just bear with me, Harker. Jonathan Harker, Dracula, maybe we'll interact with someone who goes by Van Helsing. We have no idea. I'm just, just keep you, keep an open mind here. Yeah, I guess your guess, your guess is as good as mine, I guess. Um, so any, any preparations you want to make for your meeting the next morning again, kind of not really knowing what it is that you're going to, who or what you're going to find at the cafe the following morning? Hmm. I mean, I'd like to acquire a firearm if I, if I could. In the spirit of what happened last time. I, I should ask, uh, are we considered to still have anything that we acquired last time? Um, probably not in terms of uh, kind of weaponry, uh, okay. because you wouldn't have been able to take anything on the plane with you. Um, but I think you all kind of have what you would consider standard operative gear. Um, you, know, okay. you, know, you, you know the types of things that you encounter in these situations, so you probably have... You know whether it's walkie-talkies or or actual earpieces that <laughs> that look a, look a little bit more official and things like that um, and whatever it is that you might use. You know, I'm sure that Gavin, you have um, a, a very nice camera with you. Mm -hmm. Teddy probably has some medical supplies, uh, both to to heal and to harm as as would be necessary. Um, and I, I'm sure that I'm sure that Fabio has. You know, at least some of the some of the materials that he might need to make a quick explosive. You know, whatever he can actually carry uh, or acquire on the ground once he gets there. And I'll say that you all, you know, if you if you want to have kind of reached out to a network contact in the area and acquired, you know, a light handgun that you could keep on your person, you can do that too. 
So are you all coming armed to the to the cafe the following morning, or is it just Fabio? I think Teddy is definitely coming armed to that meeting. I have sort of a brightly colored, like, patterned shirt, button-down shirt on, and I'm not actually... I, I'm not used to carrying a handgun with me, but I will have tried to acquire some sort of light, small handgun that I will try to kind of conceal on my person to bring with me, plus my, my usual switchblade. Yeah, so I think what I'm going to say for that game terms-wise is that I, I think I'm going to require a one-point network spend for each of you to have somebody in Seville that uh, that you know that can get you something like this quickly. And so you can just kind of mark off um, however you want to do it one point from your network spend. Uh, so, um, so you know, you depart for the evening. You get whatever sleep it is that you think your character uh, actually gets the night before an early meeting like this um, with the, the stakes uh, that you're feeling uh, going into the next, the next morning. But when you, when you arrive at the cafe the next morning... It's kind of what you would expect from a, a typical Spanish cafe. There's people shouting, shouting orders, shouting at each other, or just shouting to shout. But only one of the people in the cafe takes notice of you when you walk in, and it's honestly one of the last people you expect to see. Uh, it's a middle-aged man, and he's a middleman that you've worked with in the past, but probably didn't expect to see again. Georg Rudek, who was the middleman that set you up on the last job that kind of led you to this place. And you notice immediately from from Georg that he looks incredibly nervous. Nervous, You know, he was, anytime you had worked with him in the past, he was very jovial. He would kind of slap you on the shoulder when he saw you. But he's far different from that now. Um, he's nervous. He knows what happened the last time that you worked together and knows that he should be nervous on this initial meeting. How do you, how do you react to him? I can't say I'm pleased to see him <laughs> after what happened <laughs> sure. last time. Sure. I think I, I'm going to go to, go up to the table and just. I, I, he's sitting at a table right now. Is that the? Yeah, yeah. The he kind of like wave. He, he kind of like waves you over, um, like somewhat hesitantly. I'll just sit down right next to him and like l- just stare at him. Geo, <laughs> you fuck. Never expected to see you again. Is Anton fucking dead? Not that I'm aware of, though I'd certainly like him to be. And I'll be honest, I, not sure I want to be working with you again. I'm not sure that we have the trust we need, but uh, it does seem to be our only option at this point. Oh, thank you. Why for, would thank that you for be, Georg? Why would that be? Yes, yes, I know. It's it's my it's my fault. Uh, the way things went down before, I, I couldn't have expected it. Anton was always someone who, at least when you paid him, he he did the job, and something something must have changed. I hear rumors that he's sick. I wonder if that has something to do with it. That, that's a hell of an apology, pal. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's the best that I've got for you right now. We've got we've got business to deal with. Are you all here and ready to ready to handle the business like the professionals that you are? Yeah, Teddy kind of silently nods. She hasn't spoken yet. I think she's just reserved and silent in her anger. Um so yeah, so once you all sit down, he as as he did before offers to to get you a drink if you want one. He does not pat you down like the last time you were together. So I think he knows he knows what lines he can and can't cross at this point. But once you're once you're settled, he he says, "Well, I've been contacted for another job, and I think you all probably have some idea where this is coming from. I don't know who your contact or my contact, our, our mutual contact is, but I I do know how to get a hold of him. And so after you've accomplished what he what he's asking of you, I can I can put you in contact. So whoever this is, this Harker, he has another contact." Uh, a journalist. Her name is Olivia Leo. 
She's based out of London, uh, but she works for the New York Times. But at this point, she's on the run. Uh, someone is pursuing her. I don't know who. Uh, I'm not sure Harker knows who either, but someone is pursuing her. She's fled to Marrakesh to try to escape whoever's, whoever's after her. And our employer wants your help in getting her out. Rudek also tells you that the contact has supplied either plane tickets to Marrakesh or, and he just says, alternate transportation. Alternate transportation that will certainly take you longer, uh, but that will let you bring more gear across into Morocco. Um, and so that choice is up to you. But remember that kind of time is of the essence because Olivia Leo is, is on the run at the moment um, and doing her best to escape her pursuers. Now, Rudek thinks that you have a bit of a head start on the pursuers, but that they're bound to to find her soon. I think Fabio just sits there and looks at him skeptically. Sort of the silent treatment. So how do we um, how do we get in touch with uh, Harker? That'll be through me. Once you've once you've extracted the journalist, I will set up a way to um, kind of have her removed and hidden and put you in contact with Harker. Can't say I love the idea. I don't like the prospect of getting shot at by a sniper rifle again. I don't blame you for that. But you you think this is all connected to what we've been looking into? I'm quite sure of it. And I think that you three also like there were there were enough breadcrumbs in the documents that you're I think you have little doubt that it's connected in some way. Which is probably the only reason that you would have any re- like have any desire or feel any comfortability with trusting something that's happening with Rudek again. Well, I'm not going to make this decision unilaterally. Teddy? Fobbs? I think if if we're going to find out what's going on here, we have we have no other recourse. We we have to get in contact with this this Harker. Yeah, I'll do it. Might as well. All right, so do you want to do you want to fly or do you want to uh, do you want to take the alternate transportation that's been set up? So, you know that you're you know, if you're thinking about it, you know, alternate transportation to Marrakesh is probably a combination of car and boat. And so, you know, you're about an, you're about an hour from the coast right now of Spain. Get on a boat. Takes you five or six hours to get across the water. And then, uh, you know, maybe two to three hours into Marrakesh. Hmm. Is this, and just let me ask the context of this question. Is this, uh, are we handling this post our meeting with Georg now, or is this kind of being discussed during the meeting to determine, like, setting up travel arrangements? Yeah, so he, so he would tell you that if you, that he, whichever, whichever path you choose, he, I mean, it's all been set up for you. Either path has okay. been set up for you, so you don't really have to do any groundwork. And if you, um, if you choose the alternate transportation, he, there's equipment available to you en route. But then, but if you want to get there faster and try to kind of set up some sort of you know set up if you if you go by the alternate transportation you're probably going to be kind of moving quickly kind of on the fly to try to beat whoever is is um chasing after the journalist and if you fly there you might have a little more time to kind of set up something if that's okay. what you preferred but you wouldn't be so, able to take any weaponry or anything like that right difference between being able to prepare and bring things with us on the alternate route versus getting there early and doing whatever preparation we can on the ground there earlier. He's also happy to um, step away from the table. Like, he'll, he'll be around when you've made your decision if you don't feel comfortable talking mm -hmm. in front of him. So that that's fine, too. Okay. Georg, can we um, have a moment while we discuss this? Absolutely. I'll be outside. <laughs> All right. What do you think? 
I think given my specialties, I don't mind the ability to bring weapons and equipment and things like that along with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do prefer being well-prepared, I think. Definitely. Teddy? I do. I, I agree. I, I like to have my equipment close, but I wonder how much of time is a consideration here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want her other pursuers to get there first. And we will presumably have to find her. So, do we have to go together? No, you don't. Oh, oh. So maybe someone goes ahead or two people go ahead and someone takes a slow route with a bunch of equipment? Hmm. Could be an option. I could... I suppose I could go scouting ahead, potentially. I don't always need a ton with me. I can usually get by with a laptop and light armaments, so not. I don't have quite the explosive specialty that you do, Fabs, so uh, I, don't, I don't usually need to bring as much with me. You don't need a suitcase full of fuses? It's <laughs> <laughs> what anyone travels with these days. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so it sounds like the plan might be to split up. I, you know, I, I would guess that, um, as you just said, Gavin is probably at least one person to kind of go ahead and scout ahead. Fabio and, and Teddy, do you, do you think you'll both take the slow route, or does one does one of you want to go with Gavin? I think I'll take the slow route. I don't know, Gavin. How do you feel about traveling by yourself? I'm, I've done it most of my life. I'm totally fine with it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't want that guy on a plane anyway. They'll probably think he's the shoe bomber. <laughs> <laughs> 2009 humor, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you think you're gonna go with Fabio then in, on, on the the slow route um, and yeah, you know, I'll acquire some route. sort of rifle? For sure, for sure. Okay, sounds good. So you know you you tell um, Georg your plans. Um, he hands Gavin um, a, a plane ticket, um, and there's a there's a black car waiting to take you to the airport in Seville, um, and then there's another car. Uh, waiting for the other two of you to actually drive you about an hour and a half to Cadiz, uh, which is on the coast. Can I just, uh, just real quickly, uh, if you don't mind indulging me for a second, uh, do I know if, does Georg speak particularly good Spanish or no? Uh, no, not that you're aware of, no. Okay, before we leave the cafe, as we are getting up to leave, I stand behind him and put my hands on his shoulders and I yell to the entire cafe in Spanish as loud as I can, Everyone, this is my very good friend, Polino, and Polino is having his first baby and he is treating everyone to drinks! Everyone! Everyone get your drinks and applaud for Polino! And then I will walk out. Uh, yes, you, um, you, you suitably, suitably inconvenience Georg, um, as you're doing that. Do you, you speak Spanish, is that right? Mm, yes, yes, I do. All right, make sure you claim Spanish as one of your languages on your character yes, sheet. Yes, I, it, it, already on there, All right, that's what I'm Amazing. gonna, that's what I'm gonna take, that's, that will be one. Amazing. All right, perfect. So, um, so you kind of go your separate ways, um, the the two of you who are um, who are heading down to Cadiz, it takes you about an hour and a half to get there, and when you arrive, uh, the driver of your the driver of the car um, kind of grabs your bags for you and leads you to the harbor, where you see a a very impressive yacht. Uh, it's about seventy five feet long. It looks like an excellent way to travel across across the water to get to uh, Morocco. 
and you're you're greeted by a boat captain named uh, Nikos Triandafilidos. Uh, he's a Greek man. Um, looks very excited to to be uh, ferrying you across the water here. You get on, and the 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 boat take or the yacht takes off pretty quickly, and it's going way faster than you expected to. Um, it's it's going it's going quite fast across the water. And so this is, it's got to be the most efficient way you could possibly get from, from Spain to Morocco across the water like this. And we don't have to dig in too deeply into what's actually um, equipped on the boat. But there are, you know, there, there are, you know, heavier firearms, heavier handguns, um, some, some, some assault rifles, um, you know, more, more explosives equipment. You know, you can't take too much if you're, if you're not going to be weighed down, but... You know, if we need to, we can kind of call back to this moment as we as as situations arise. We can kind of talk about what what you have based on based on your time on this boat. Uh, but it's a lovely trip. I don't know. Do either of you get seasick? Otherwise, it's a lovely trip. Yeah. Why not? Just <laughs> Fabio just, just Fabio's just, throwing just... up over the side of the boat. Yeah, he fears the sea greatly. So <laughs> this is uh, he's only doing this because he's not allowed to fly in. Uh, much of Europe. So. <laughs> Fabio's the, over there just thinking I should have taken the fast route. Yeah. Fabio, I think I have something in my bag to help out for that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Kenny has perhaps texted, texted me a picture of the, the yacht and I'm like about to board a plane being like, I should have taken the slow route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, so you two are kind of making your way across the water to Morocco. Gavin... Uh, you're kind of, you know, you 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 get on a flight, you uh, you fly to Marrakesh. As you're going, what are you kind of thinking in terms of what you want to try to accomplish when you arrive there? The big goal number one would be if uh, I could identify where. Hold on, what was her name? <laughs> uh, Olivia, Olivia Leo. Olivia, Olivia, where Olivia? If I could identify where Olivia Olivia is being held, that's half the work right there before my associates even get here because then we could plan or do we know you don't know where she is but she's not being held she's being pursued, oh she's just free so right she... right right excuse me not being yeah. held she's just she's in hiding so if i could find out where she is that's that's half the work practically otherwise it would be uh sort of standard things that i do when i get into a new city which is uh scout out any points of interest Standard traffic routes, things of that nature, like um, any uh, finding the least conspicuous ways to get around the city, um, that sort of thing. Do you have either criminology or urban survival? Uh, let's see. Criminology. Uh, uh, well, good news. I have both criminology and urban survival. And I have a two in each of them. Excellent. Yeah. So, so you know, it. You have a pretty good sense of what you think is probably going to happen when you arrive in Marrakesh. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know that the Moroccan police are notoriously tough on anyone who threatens the vital tourist trade. And so if someone is about to kidnap or eliminate Leo, they'll probably bring in someone from outside Morocco, you know, a hired assassin or, you know, an operative for whatever organization is chasing after her. Um, so you would you would want to be kind of on the lookout for someone who looks out of place um, if you're trying to identify okay. um, who's coming after her. But mm -hmm. with that said, mm -hmm. they will almost certainly also use locals to try to find and track her so right. that this person can right. come either grab her or take her out. Makes sense. Yes. So I would also like to use any local networks that I have in order to find out 
if there are um, other local groups that are under the employ or being used by anyone who has come into the city recently. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, if you want to give me um, a network spend, you can you can um, kind of get in contact with one of your contacts in Marrakesh who can kind of do some digging for you while you're on your way. Just a spend of one, or is it uh, is like the in- information determinate on the amount of spend? Well, so so network is interesting because so what you're doing with network is you're actually creating a person who is a contact for you in Marrakesh, okay. and you gotcha. can choose how many points you want to put into that person. Okay. But then once that person uses all their points, they've basically been made, right? So they're they're they no longer are a useful contact for you anymore. So okay, um, you can choose how many network points you want to spend here to kind of create how you know how well connected is this person that you're talking to in Marrakesh. Okay, I am actually going to go ahead and spend three points out of my network. So I'll have spent half my network at this point, but I'm going to I want them to be fairly well connected and available um and because you're you um and i'm i'm thinking back to the uh, i'm thinking back to the moment in season one where you on the fly created fits i would love to know who this network contact uh you have is in marrakesh <laughs> uh oh boy well now i have a feel on the spot uh i do moroccan names it could be someone who lives in morocco but isn't moroccan yeah, yeah. uh so we'll say that this is um valentine who is uh, an expat, um, also actually uh, out of Spain, who lives in Morocco now, and uh, has actually lived in Morocco for about 20 years at this point. So is quite comfortable with the local culture, etc. Is involved with some illicit underground uh, things, although sort of only only dabbles with that stuff. Um, because Valentine actually has uh, has to put on a good face because... He owns a local, uh, very local uh, footballing team. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah, so you you reach out to Valentine, you know, probably while you're on the flight. You know, maybe you send him a quick email or something. And he gets back to you quickly, says he hasn't heard anything recently. Um, he hasn't hasn't heard of anything, but that he will, he'll, he'll dig into it a little bit for you to see if anything has happened kind of over the last 48, 24 hours or so, um, and then he'll get back to you. And so we'll call that a one-point network spend for now out of his pool. Okay. All right. I texted back Go Fruit Bats, which is the, the team that he, uh, that he owns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's, of course, it's, of course, Fruit Bats in English and not in either yes, Spanish not, or Arabic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so you, uh, you land um, a couple hours later, probably not even a couple hours, probably an hour or so later... Um, in Marrakesh and you know I don't know whether you knew this beforehand or not but uh, Marrakesh has been the Marrakesh airport has been described by some as the most beautiful airport in the world and as you walk off the plane it, it is it is certainly for good reason uh, there's there's ceilings high over your head with white crisscrossing lines and light features that look more like art installations than airport decor and it's it's reasonably crowded uh, but not too bad because it's still reasonably early in the morning. Um, and you still haven't heard anything back from Valentine yet. So um, are you going to just kind of head out and just try to start looking around? Is that the, the plan? Um, yes. I think my plan would be to head out to start, um, you know, uh, start sort of mapping uh, or uh, looking for kind of maps of the city and 
like I said, kind of traffic patterns, that sort of thing, which is why I always, I, I actually like starting at the airport because you get a good sense of kind of how the overall movement of uh, people in the city and, and things coming into and out of the city. So that's, that's what I'm going to start with. Perfect. And then are you going to, um, are you going to, you know, get a cab? Are you going to rent a car, rent a motorbike? One of the first things I always do is try to identify what seems to be a good, like, local way of getting around. So I'm I'm going to, I think, probably ultimately rent a motorbike. Yeah, that sounds good. So, I, you you know, driving is a general ability in this game, but you can kind of use general abilities as investigative abilities as, as, as appropriate. And so I think in this case, your level of driving skill would let you know that... Um, you know, kind of a motorbike or a moped or something like that, a Vespa is a great way to get around. Um, and you'll mm-hmm. often, even in the even in the most crowded areas of Marrakesh, see uh, see these these Vespas like speeding down the alleyways and you know people jumping out of the way. So it seems like a, it seems like a great way to get around. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so you you rent one and you uh, you take it into the city, and you probably have a little bit of experience with um, with Marrakesh. You at least you know you have a contact here, so you you probably have been here. Maybe you know maybe you just you just know a little bit about it. But you know you're kind of thinking about it, and you, you think that if if Olivia Leo is trying to hide, you know you know that she's American, um, mm-hmm. or that or that she at least works for the New York Times. She's based in London. She has a, a Chinese last name, and so she probably sticks out a little bit from mm-hmm. you know the people who are native to to Morocco and to Marrakesh. And so, if she's trying to hide, she's probably staying in one of the tourist areas. Mm-hmm. And kind of the the biggest one of those is the area around the um, Jamal Afna, which is kind of the main uh, square and market in Marrakesh. That's you know it's very crowded would be easier to blend in. Um, there's locals and tourists in that area, you know, lots of cheap hotels and hostels and things like that. So it seems like that area would be as good a place as any to kind of start looking around to see if you can kind of find where she is or has been. Then that's, then that's where I'll, I will start. I will kind of pull up into that market area, um, park the motorbike kind of off to the side. I've been driving it with one hand and eating an apple with the other. I, I park it, get off, pet one of the stray dogs that's on the street, wander into the market, and just kind of start casing the area. Sure. So you're you're just going to kind of start by um, just trying to look to see if you can find anything in particular that gives you a clue? I guess I can start speaking to some of the, specifically maybe some of the vendors uh, in the market. And I will try to ask... I want to ask about if they've seen this woman without tipping them off too specifically, um, which seems like it would be difficult to do. So um, I'll actually, I think I will look specifically for if there are any vendors who themselves seem a little out of place or if they're like, you know, from maybe from elsewhere who've come in here and start with them, Um, because I feel like it would be less likely that they are in the network of whoever might be pursuing Olivia. Sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. And so, you know, this is this is a bit of a, a long process. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to, you know, you're you're a very careful person. You probably take, um, you know, at least a couple, you know, an hour or so to just kind of drive around the area to really make sure that you have your bearings. You know, you 
you're both you're both a very careful and a, a kind of paranoid person, and so you're you're driving around. You want to make sure that you know what are the what are the good outs to the larger highways, so that you could get out fast if you needed to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of doing a full a full scope of the area, and then once you feel comfortable with that, then you kind of dive a little bit closer in. You start looking at some of the market stalls. Um, you know, they're they're selling everything from you know, carpets and spices and fruit to computers and electronics. You know, it's a it's a bustling market um, in, in 2009, and pretty much anything that you could possibly want is available in these markets. And so you're kind of scouting it out. You want to see, are there people, you know, are, are there particular vendors that you think are are most primed to kind of, to kind of get you what you want? And only then will you start to approach people. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I know that I'm not great with people necessarily, but I know that money is. I'm not going to flash my money around, but I'm not going to be stingy with perhaps overpaying for certain items for, you know, in talking to people in the market, that sort of thing. Handing a little extra over if I feel like I can get information out of people. Yep, that makes sense. And do you do you also, you have Streetwise, right? Uh, I do do i have yeah one in streetwise great yeah so you you know kind of the, the combination of your willingness to to you know to put a put a little money over along with your your kind of innate sense for who might be willing to talk who who looks like somebody that 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 knows that might know something you start mm-hmm. talking to people and you know if it took you a couple hours to fly and then an hour to get into into the area that you're that you're in and then you scout it out and then you're talking to people it's it's starting to be kind of later in the afternoon by the time that um, you finally talk to someone who it seems like they have some information for you. Um, okay. And this is around the same time that uh, Fabio and Teddy are, you know, you, you've taken about a six hour boat ride across the water. I mean, you know, maybe five hours because the boat's going really fast across the water. You uh, You get into Casablanca. And then you're about two hours outside of Marrakesh. Do you think that you do you rent a car? Do you um, you know do you try to, to hire a cab to take you um, the two hours across from Casablanca to Marrakesh? Um, you probably have you know a reasonable amount of what looks like luggage to them, but is actually you know heavy weaponry with you. What do you think you're gonna do? I don't know. I, I feel, I'm feeling like renting a car. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I trust cab drivers right now. No. I think that sounds great. <laughs> I think sounds good. Are you getting a you getting a uh, a compact? You getting a you getting a big SUV? Uh, what's the nicest car we can get that's still inconspicuous? <laughs> good question. That's what we'll get. Yeah, I think probably like a like a small SUV. You know, like a like a Rav Four or like a like a yeah. Range Rover or something like that. Yeah, very sensible. Maybe a, a less expensive <laughs> version of one of those, like a Honda CRV. <laughs> sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> in a nice like light brown color or something that something maybe maybe you splash the mud up on it so it doesn't look like it's a, a new uh a new car and you uh yeah you start you start making your way into from from Casablanca toward Marrakesh and so switching back over to to Gavin you finally you come across a vendor sell it, it's 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 a fruit stand actually uh, and it's you know it, the the person that you that you talk to, they're act- they actually turn out to be Australian, and I will not be doing an Australian accent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's where you 
draw the line? Damn. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm the worst with accents. I really I just shouldn't I really shouldn't do any. Um but Australian is definitely where I draw the line. I'm a big fan of the accents, but <laughs> um yeah, so you 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 talk to this this woman. Um, you know, she's she's lived in she's lived in Mar- Marrakesh for quite a while. Sells fruit. You get the sense from her that she earning money is not something that is particularly um, something that she uh, she cares too much about or or has need to do. So you know, she's selling fruit at a fruit stand because she gets to talk to people, um, not because yeah. she has to. Wants to keep busy. Wants to be social. Sure. Yeah, okay. and you you um you describe. Olivia Leo to this woman you mm-hmm. you know you probably have um, a couple photographs from the dossier that was given to you mm-hmm. and she uh, she tells you that oh yeah 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 she's she's seen her she's she's been here for or she's seen her a couple times over the last 48 hours tells you that she you know she looks a little skittish it looks like she's kind of always looking over her shoulder mm-hmm. but that she's pretty sure that she is staying at a um a hostel nearby called the Riyadh Rouge. A Riyadh is like a um is like a an open square with a with a building built around it. And Rouge of course means red and so it's it's that's what that's what the name of the hostel means. Um but yeah, she thinks she's staying at the Riyadh Rouge, which is a hostel nearby. Okay. I will thank her and, and buy an extra, I don't know, guava from her. Do they have guavas in Morocco? I really have no idea. I feel maybe it's not just local fruit. Maybe it's things that are you that's know true, all, that's true. All, all, otherwise imported as well. Yeah, she's an exotic fruit importer that works in America. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So I uh, I will take that information and I am going to as casually and nonchalantly as possible make my way over to the Riyadh Rouge. And just sort of, I, I kind of want to get a perimeter scan of the whole place. You start looking around, um, and the Riyadh Rouge is, you know, exactly what it says. Uh, a Riyadh mm-hmm. is a large house built around a courtyard, and this one, uh, which has obviously been converted into a hostel, has kind of pale red walls. Um, and you start kind of looking around, uh, trying to to get a sense of of the landscape. And kind of the primary thing that you notice is that there are um, two young Moroccans sitting on motorcycles across the street from the main entrance. And you mm-hmm. know immediately that they are uh, local hired goons that are clearly watching the front door. And there's a third mot- motorcycle sitting next to theirs that's sitting empty. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. This podcast was created using Knight's Black Agents, written by Kenneth Height and published by Pelgrane Press, and is based on an adventure written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan called The Harker Intrusion. The podcast also uses material from The Dracula Dossier, written by Kenneth Height and Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and music from Dustin Mirrors, written by James Semple. All of these are used under the Pelgrane Press Limited Community Use Policy. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com.